coming up on the Louis Diaz podcast. And then I came here and then it all changed. And I started working with all these amazing artists and producers. And I realized how good I am working with other people and finalizing their ideas. So I realized like, okay, this is awesome. This is what I want to do. Engineering. Hi, and welcome to the Louis Diaz podcast, the podcast where you'll meet some of the most fascinating and incredible people from all walks of life. And together, we're inviting you in to be our special guest as we take you through some of their amazing experiences, adventures, and journeys. So sit back, and I hope you enjoy this episode of the Louis Diaz podcast. I just want to welcome everyone to another episode of the Louis Diaz podcast. It's a great pleasure for me to be bringing you someone I'm really excited to have today on the show, to be honest. Caleb Nathan, he's lead mastering engineer at Studio 18 in Orlando, Florida. Uh, We're going to just chat and we're going to dive into your world. I'm really excited to get to know you, especially because I've already heard you a little bit through Dana J's podcast, something you recorded a couple of years ago. And I was like, wow, this guy, Mm -hmm. I like the way he thinks. Welcome, Caleb. Awesome. Thank you for the kind words. I appreciate that. Podcasts are a blast. I I feel thankful that you've invited me here. I'd love to give you a look into my unique musical life. Like you mentioned, I'm from Orlando, Florida, or I'm working out of Orlando, Florida now, but I'm originally from New Hampshire. I lived the first 18 years of my life up there. And then when I was almost 19 or about 19, I moved here to the Orlando area with my grandma to pursue music. I did a semester of some college general education courses that were just commonplace. I left things open-ended because I was like, I don't know what I want to be. And then after a semester of college courses, I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I think I want to do music. So I moved here and just focused on making music every day. And um, yeah, that led to, you know, five years later, I'm the lead engineer of this uh, beautiful, amazing studio. Right now I'm in Studio A. Uh, this is where I do recording, mixing, and mastering. Most of my time here is I am an engineer, so I do more technical stuff. Most people come to the studio with instrumentals ready, and I just record them, help them with their lyrics, with the performance, and then kind of mix them in their own special, unique way to give them, you know, to make them sound like the best version of themselves and present them in a creative, artistic way. And then I master it, which is kind of like the last quick little step you do in the music making process. It's very technical, but you just basically make the song or the mix translate to different, you know, speaker systems, whether it's your iPhone, a laptop speaker, car speakers, mm-hmm. headphones. If you're at the club, or if you're at a festival, it should all be relatively strong and all around good sound. But yeah, that's where I am now. You are in Melbourne, Australia. I sure am. How, you know, I, I was going to ask this earlier uh, through DMs, but I thought I'd save it for the interview. How did you hear about me? How did you start following me? Uh, look, man, you know what? It's the world of algorithms, right? So, yeah. Um, and you know all about that, right? But I think, um, you know, through this podcast specifically, because I don't have, let's just say, a niche, I'm always looking to cast a net really wide as far as the stories I want to tell because I think that inherently we're all intertwined in some way and that whether you're an adventurer from Poland that climbs Mount Everest or you're a a sound engineer in Orlando, Florida, you're going to have something in common and those are the things that I really love exploring and so I drive Instagram's algorithms wild because I'm always just checking out different things and they don't know what to send me but they do know that I love music and that I love people that are passionate about music. 
Um, I follow this one page on Instagram called Good Shit Radio, which is just like, I, I just love it. They're always pulling out the, like the best old school tunes, like stuff that's long forgotten in the mainstream. And um, mm-hmm. so, yeah, I think maybe the algorithms just um, sent me Studio 18 or was it Dana J? I'm not sure if it was him first or you. But anyway, I was, yeah, I was super glad to make this connection and reach out to you. And you've been awesome. You've been super accommodating. And I'm really excited to get to know you because, like I said earlier, I was listening to the Dana J podcast that you sent me. And you guys, Mm -hmm. I think for that show, and that was recorded a couple of years ago, so it might be a bit hazy in your memory. But you were there with Dana, with I think an Orlando artist named Sixella. Is that right? Sixella, that's correct, yes. And you guys were discussing the topic of emotions in that episode. So you you went really deep and I love that because, you know, as artists and as sound engineers, I guess people might at times try and pigeonhole you into that niche to to only talk about sound. But the fact that you guys were talking about emotions and how deep you went with emotions, I just love that conversation that you guys had. And that's one of the reasons why I was super keen to get you on because I just learned how considerate and how thoughtful you are, and how great of a listener you are, which I thought that's an amazing quality to have, especially for a lead engineer. Yeah, as a lead engineer, definitely great quality to have. I'm definitely someone who is kind of like, I feel like I'm a really good wingman. I don't have a certain brand or style or like agenda to push, whereas other like artists and uh, entrepreneurs do. I like to see what other people have going on in their lives and their careers and kind of understand where they're coming from, where they want to go, and then kind of help them in their process. Uh, And understanding emotions is a big thing. One, helps you make great music. But two, if you are making a product or giving a service, the quality of of how the, uh, the consumer interprets the product or the service is really dependent on the feeling that they get left after mm. using the service or buying the product. So it's whenever you're even even though it's commonly like seen as an art thing, understanding emotions also great in a business sense, because if you can understand how your consumer feels, you can sell them on that feeling as opposed to selling them on facts. Facts help, but I think the feeling is what really seals the deal. And once you understand that, you can combine the two. One, you can make great music that has a good blend of real, visceral, organic, human emotion. And then you can kind of strike a chord with a certain niche of people or maybe a whole generation of people, especially, you know, something the whole globe was united in a struggle over was quarantine. And I feel like that closed a lot of people off physically, but Mm. also socially. So something as simple as that, if you pay attention to it, you kind of know that those lasting effects, even though it was, you know, two and a half years ago at this point, are still kind of there. And it, it was kind of uh, exacerbated by like cell phones and social medias. Mm-hmm. And we all just kind of buried our faces into our phones. And TikTok has just made everything worse because it's leaked into, you know, different social medias and turned Twitter and Instagram into places where you just get you get lost swiping. Mm-hmm. So if you're open to things like that, you can start to understand where a lot of the people or the whole world is at right now and then kind of package music in a way that helps them and makes them feel like they're not alone mm-hmm. and that other people are going through very similar things as well. Mm. Yeah. And that podcast that I did with Dana, he did a whole series. Did you hear any of his uh, album commercials? He did podcasts and a lot of the artists and producers who were helping out with the album that he made, we did shows with. So Six Ella was one of the artists on a song called Black Girl Magic and the beat was made by Dana, 
probably a year before release and he wanted an artist to be on that beat and the name of the title was already there from a previous songwriter who kind of wrote some of the hook mm-hmm. and we were throwing ideas around of um who we wanted to pick as the as the artist the main mm-hmm. artist and he was picking a lot of uh safe options i think right and more like pop based or r&b based like good singers great artists nothing wrong with you know with their styles but I think in the context for the rest of the album, it was filled with really technical rappers. So I talked to him and I was like, dude, you need to get a, a really technical female rapper to sing the song Black Girl Magic that has a, you know, a hook that was written by a different songwriter. Mm. But um, we're fig- actually, it took me two weeks to figure it out. I was scrolling through Snapchat on some memories and it was mm. showing me some event that I was at somewhere in Orlando and Sixella was there and she was rapping, freestyling over a beat. A DJ was playing a beat and she was just freestyling. Off, off the dome, off the top of the head. And somewhere in that freestyle, she said Black Girl Magic. And I was like, oh, wow, that was a year ago. And now two weeks ago, I was like raking my brain trying to think like, who's going to be this artist for this song, Black Girl Magic? And she said the title of the thing and it just clicked immediately. I was like, okay, Dana, you got to go. Uh, you got to come next Sunday. There's going to be an event called, uh, they call it WTF, We the Future. Mm-hmm. There's a few artists who perform at this place called the Hippie Hideout. She was the headliner. We went over there and she just completely nailed the show and blew Dana away. And I was like, dude, Dana, this is this is her. And I knew her also because some of the events that we do here at the studio, one of our staple events is Midnight Monday. Mm-hmm. We've been doing that several times a year for three years, uh, maybe even a little bit longer than that. I was an intern when my first Midnight Monday went down. I think it was about, well, actually... Maybe four and a half, because I've been involved in the studio for five years at this point, and I think it was about six months into my internship. So I met Sixella first through one of those Midnight Mondays, but I've seen her around the city since then, and I just so happened to have a video of her freestyling at a, an event, and I was like, that was it. And that was, the, that was the last song that we finished up for that project, too. It was a great project. Mm, yeah. I, I love, there's so much that you touched on there that, you know, I could go back to, the, I mean, the way that you described yourself as a wingman firstly is, is something that I, I could probably do a whole episode on because I love that idea of, you know, the people in society that don't necessarily see themselves as having to be the hero in every story, but being a part, like a, an important cog in people's stories. I think that's so underrated and those unsung heroes and those homegrown stories are the ones that I really love telling. And also shining a light on people that want to help others succeed. And when, I, when you wrote to me a little while ago, you said that you're ha- passionate about helping artists bring their visions to life through exceptional sound production. And I'm just like, yes, we need people that want to help people. And that's what they're passionate about. So, yeah, I love that. And then also the way that you described, you know, emotions and how important emotions and feelings are. I think it was just like, I think my ex-girlfriend used to say something like people won't remember what you did, but they'll remember how you made them feel or something like that. That's great. Yeah. 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 That's true. Yeah. It was really important because I hadn't really heard that before. And she sort of brought it to my attention. And just then when you spoke about, you know, emotions and being really in touch with emotions and understanding how not only they can help you create great music, but also how important they are from a business sense as well. And then how you can combine the two. I think that is super Mm -hmm. underestimated in today's world. 
especially you know because we're becoming so much more and more out of touch i think and you mentioned it yourself there like social media is just another thing that's getting us to i don't know lose touch with ourselves a little way even though it's awesome that i can meet great people like you and we can make these connections and form these bonds it has that dark side to it right that we can also get lost in scrolling and lose touch with our emotions and then yeah of course yeah that's a big thing Yes, no, I just wanted to quickly touch as well on you mentioning Studio 18, how you got together and helped Dana J. I guess you introduced him, I guess, to Sixella and all the idea of her being on that track and how an amazing studio, Studio 18, is for being a community hub for you guys, especially with Midnight Mondays. You know, I haven't gotten to know you guys for very long, but one of the things that became really evident really early on in my research was how community-focused the studio is. And I love that. Enjoying the episode so far? Be sure to follow us and leave us a review on whichever podcast platform you're listening on. Thanks and enjoy the rest of the episode. For sure, yeah. I think great things happen when people get together. I used to be what's called a bedroom producer, where I just stay in my bedroom and I make all these beats and I do everything myself. I record everything myself, perform everything myself, program things, mix it, master it, post it online. And that was fun. That was cool. That allowed me to get very technical and learn all the ins and outs of production and engineering. But once I started interning here and working in groups, I just saw how important it is to make compromises and to let other people's opinion kind of let the art grow into where it goes. So much so to the point where if I go to make anything by myself anymore, nothing really good ever comes up. It's like I need someone else Because I can do anything I want. Like, I have so many versatile skills that I can just go into any genre and tap into any mood. But it's overwhelming, you know. But when I'm with someone else, it's like, okay, I'll talk to them. I'll see what they've been listening to lately, what they've been feeling lately, what makes them excited. And then we get to somewhere fun faster. Working alone is, it's a little bit, uh, it is freedom, of course. But I think it's much worth it to spend time working on something with others, being part of a team. Uh, being a cog in the wheel, as you say. Um, I think for the most part, I learned how to listen to my emotions more through this job at this studio. I kind of, I've always been a very logical dude. I think a lot and I've been starting to do more than think. I think that's kind of healthy for me from where I come from. I'm sure there are people who are the opposite and need to, you know, think a little bit more than (laughs) before they do things. I'm sure a few people might come to mind for you. I know I can think of a few. But for me, I was the opposite. I would always overthink and lead my life through logic and using my brain. Mm-hmm. Through here, I met a lot of artists and creatives who follow more of their heart and their emotions and their gut feeling. I don't think it's right to stick to one path or the other, but you got to be good at both and you got to know when to change. You got to be ready to use both. That's a big lesson I've learned from the studio, for sure. And from a lot of creatives that I've met through this place. And it is a hub. You used that word earlier. It's a big hub in this city. My five years here working, I'm around 900 artists that I've worked with, 900 paid artists. Studio itself has been around in this house for 11 years. But yeah, this place is, it's a magical place because one, you come you come up and a lot of people call the studio line and be like, hey, I'm kind of confused. I'm in the middle of a neighborhood and just looks like a regular house. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'll just stop outside real quick. I'll flag them down and tell them to park off to the side and they come in. And then there's, it's like a museum. There's Orlando art all over the walls. Mm-hmm. Studio B, Studio A has all this like very particular handmade acoustic paneling that you know is practical in the sense that it helps with the sound of the room and it helps with acoustics but also has a very particular design and shape to it you know it's just the balance of uh 
you know, aesthetics and then practicality because it is, that's the whole name of the game of this place. Studio 18, the name came about because of uh, the numbers one and eight in Supreme Mathematics symbolize one is logic and eight is creativity. Mm. So in the music world, when you work in a studio and you're engineering, things get very technical and scientific and you're tweaking your EQs and setting your attack and release times on compressors and um, just getting very sciencey. Mm -hmm. And th that you can dive into a whole world of that. And that's only half of the whole story. The other half is the creativity. As an engineer, we probably have the most technical jobs in the music making process, but there's still creativity to be introduced into this part of the process. And if you can balance and you can get both right, I think that's how magic's made. I think that's what makes the studio really special. Yeah, I really love that, man. I love that. I was just thinking, yeah, ones and zeros, ones and zeros. That's so binary. That's so digital. But ones and eights is like this merger of two really separate worlds that when you combine the two, like they do make magic, I think. You know, that head-heavy, thought-heavy, technical-heavy process mixed with just full heart. I really love that because I can relate to it for sure. But I mean, yeah, again, you just touched on so much there. Collaboration for you is super important, which I mean, there's so much that you're saying that's just so life affirming and philosophical in just general ways um, that's gotten, yeah. you know, you can take out of the context of being a sound engineer and you can put it in any other context. And it's so true. You know, if I think about some of the adventurous people that I've met, you know, some of their most triumphant moments in their travels and journeys has been, you know, the times when they had to collaborate with other people, when they had to rely on with other people, on other people, pardon me. So, yeah, I really love that. But also, yeah, that following the heart piece that you touched on as well, like artists that really follow their heart. Because I was thinking lately, some of the people that I feel may be struggling or not taking advantage of some of the opportunities that they have or maybe not taking advantage of the time that they have. Like I've got a couple of friends that, you know, they've worked really hard their whole lives and they've really never traveled anywhere. And, you know, we're, we're pushing our late 30s, getting into our 40s soon. And I'm just thinking, gosh, you know, like time is a commodity that you can lose. Like an hourglass, you watch the sands just kind of disappear to the bottom. And you've got to be mindful of that. And you've got to get out of your head and stop thinking about your mortgage sometimes and start thinking about the things in life that will lead to, I guess, those beautiful experiences. And they're always the heart ones, right? They're not the head ones necessarily. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i also guilty of just kind of leaving too much and not being as adventurous as I used to be. I've kind of uh, sacrificed that in a way when I took the job here. And it was definitely a, a totally worth it sacrifice. But yeah, it's one of those things that if this wasn't a job that I was just absolutely passionate about, I wouldn't have done it. Like, I love this job. I love waking up and doing this every day. I'd be crazy if it was any other job, but all my friends and family understand because this is a great thing that I've got going on here. I uh, I don't advertise this and it's not very much out there, but I do live here. So I wake up every day <laughs> and um, uh, like I just it takes me 10 steps to get into this room. You know, that's my commute to work. 10 steps and then I'm here uh, and I get lost in here and I, I do a lot. I There's a lot of uh, other engineers in the city. And because of, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Full Sail University or First Institute is a little bit of a smaller school, but Full Sail, yeah. they blast out advertisements to uh, just all, all across the country. I, I've seen uh, commercials up in New Hampshire, which is, you know, it's like a 
24 hour drive away from my home state there. Uh, I saw a commercial for Filsa back then, and I'm not sure if they broadcast to around the world now, but um, yeah, big college, I should say, university. They put out a lot of engineers, and this industry is super competitive. I feel like it's one of the things I've sacrificed is just kind of like personal time and certain adventures. It's something I, I can't keep doing for as long as I've been doing it. Like, I feel like eventually there'll be a point where, like, all right, time to step back a little bit. But because I'm single, because I don't have any, like, pets or animals or I don't have any debt or anything, like, I'm just kind of free. I've just taken upon myself that this is going to be my college. Like, this is going to be the, of me, like, waking up every day, grinding it out, learning, studying, meeting new people, and just learning both art, production, engineering, sales, marketing, event coordinating, all of that. All been kind of just the, not a crash course, not a master class. But it, you just kind of like throw yourself into the mix of it and then you kind of learn as you go. I think that's kind of been my preferred way of learning. Yeah. And I mean, like on a holistic level, it's like, well, you're basically you're living at your university. You're living at your college. You're living and breathing what you do every day. And also what I love about that is that your philosophy around the feeling and understanding emotions and how they tie into like i mentioned earlier you know not only the creative process but you know the business process the commercial side of things you know you have people that come out of uh, colleges and universities with you know master's degrees in commerce that don't talk like that that don't think like that because when these people go to learn they go to learn what someone else has to teach them. They don't necessarily learn from doing and learn from feeling, which is, I think, like really super important way to learn in life. Just, you know, roll up your sleeves and go to work and you'll figure it out along the way. And Great. I, th I think also, again, that's kind of undervalued in certain circles, but I think in your circle, it's really important because you're constantly needing to communicate and connect with artists and, you know, Artists don't connect with suits and ties. They don't. They connect with the people that get them. So, again, another reason why maybe, you know, some of these institutions aren't offering the full spectrum of the education that you really need to be good in this business. Yeah, mm. for sure. I agree with the statement, though. There's so much. They can only teach so much with books, you know, and they do have amazing facilities with amazing gear and all that. But after you learn through whatever uh, school you go to whichever and you're out of the university and you're not in those like pristine like almost looks like um really expensive gear really top line studio stuff and then once you graduate you got to work your way back in through experience to get back into that level of studio again and when you work your way back up you're starting with studios that have like beat gear and used gear and you're like okay i learned how to do all this amazing stuff on a really expensive ssl console board and these really expensive like neve console this and that and then when you get back to you know the intermediate gear a more like realistic setting it's like okay do i have what it takes to make this interesting because it's all there at first and then i take it away and then you got to build yourself back up and that's where the creativity comes in in my opinion yeah you know but it's also proven right because i mean we all know that like the story of say and my audience should be familiar with dr dre at home producer for a long time until he could take the next step in his career and super committed to working with the equipment that he had and making things happen with that. that. And I'm sure it wasn't high-end gear at the start of his career. Mm -mm. No, yeah. Especially at that time. Things were a lot different though. They We have it so easy now. I just press a few buttons and I can re-record, re-record, re-record. Mm. Back then they were 
using tape. And I've seen videos of that, and that looks so annoying. I don't know if I could do everything that I've done oh, if dude. I had to do it that way. You could have. It looks, it has a great sound to it. It has a cool, unique sound. But watching these guys slice like, oh, this word right here, I need to use this slice of tape and patch it in. And okay, now we're using two different takes from two different tapes. And it's like, oh man, wow. It's a physical thing. You know? Yeah, but you know why I know that you could have? Because like, put it in context, right? They were creating something that just hadn't been done before. So, you know, it's it's the excitement of being able to do something and seeing, you know, what could be potentially made from it. I think that that's what drives people. And it doesn't matter if it's, you know, in the 60s or the 90s or the 2020s that we're in now like we use what we have at our disposal at the time and if the excitement is great enough like you'll get the scissors out and you'll snip whatever tape you need to to make that thing sound funky and that's actually yeah takes me back to one of the things that you said on that episode with dana jay when you guys were discussing like what is the most important emotion and i think you said excitement and i was like ah bang like yes i love that you said that because the way that you yeah. contextualized it, and I can't remember exactly the words you used, I'm paraphrasing here, but it was like, you know, about excitement, creating potential in your life or something like that. I'm not sure if you remember, maybe. Yeah, I think I remember there's like a duality to excitement because like sometimes you can feel like like a big day is ahead of you. Like it's a, one of the biggest days of your life. Maybe you get married, maybe you get a promotion or something like that. And the excitement of that can sometimes be scary. It can be nervous, you know, but it's an indicator that something big is to come and you should be ready for something, you know, one way or another. Something really fun's about to happen. Something really scary is about to happen. Something crazy, something unpredictable. And I think that comes from not knowing exactly. I don't think it's exciting to know exactly what's going to happen. I think it's exciting to know all the things that can happen because those are like limitless. If you're put in a box and there's only one way out, to me, it's hard to think of a scenario that that's exciting. You know, you have to have multiple different possibilities. And that's kind of what's entertaining to us because we like to do that. We like to have pretend conversations in our head and set up scenarios that aren't even real and just test out different like possible future realities and kind of mentally prepare ourselves in ways. So excitement is that's probably why I picked that back in that this was two years ago but i do remember that that is good yeah 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 it's definitely one of the the things that stood out to me in that episode that how you talked about excitement in that way and i think you know sort of bringing it back to you know whether you could have worked in the 90s with tape and stuff and and that analog style you know Mm -hmm. remember that was that was technology for them as well it's true i think i think i could have i think i could have done it it would be fun i would have had a great time i definitely couldn't have done it as efficiently as I work now because of just the advancements of technologies. And I think the rate at which I work with artists, like today I worked with one, two, three artists, and then a fourth artist came in to just rent out the studio to listen to some stuff. And now my fifth session of the day is this podcast. And I just, I don't see how I would do that with tape just because it's so fast without it in the digital world. Everything's a lot quicker. I can work with more artists and I can make more songs Mm. with more artists. Uh, just the other night, someone called me, I think it was like 2.30, I was getting into bed, I was laying down. I was like, oh, what a crazy day, time to go to bed. And I got a phone call from this studio line, and I was like, oh, do I pick this up, do I not pick this up? And I'm like, if I pick this up, I'm going to have to take the session. 
because they're calling at this hour to be like, hey, are you open? I want to record yeah, something. Right. I picked it up and it was this artist who has ties through the studio from before I was around. And there are many people because the studio's legacy goes way before I came around. I've only been here for five years. Studio 18 and this location's been here for 11. Um, there was an artist named Sky XXX who got signed and had a top 40 hit, went to LA, did a bunch of videos. And he kind of bounced it back and forth between Orlando and LA. Um, called me up and he's like, hey, I'm trying to get two hours. I was like, uh, okay, let's do it. Uh, screw it. It's, you know, gonna be a late night session, but come through, we'll record. We did two hour session and we recorded six songs. And that's one of those things because he's a rapper, he's a freestyler. He doesn't even have anything written down. He's driving to the session, listening to the beats he's gonna record over. And he's probably just mumbling in his car as he's like driving and following his GPS, gets here gets on the microphone, he does probably like two, three takes per song, and then he goes, cool, that's it, move on to the next. Uh, the rate at which we make music is is pretty fast now, depending on the artist, of course. Certain freestylers and rappers like that, very feeling-based. They don't need to think, they need to do. And if what comes out isn't that good, just forget about it, and you just move on to the next. A lot of artists are quantity focused, which I have a respect for because I feel like that is how I gained a lot of my knowledge is burning through a bunch of different beats and songs and tracks and working with other artists. And I find rappers and singers who do that as well. Each new song is like a new lesson, a new learning experience, a new tool in their arsenal for future music. So the more that they, the more reps they bang out in the gym or the more songs they do, just too many people get caught up in the details and it slows them down, especially in a, a fast-paced industry that we live in now. So he did great. Two hours, six songs. He ended up staying pretty long and I think I went to bed around 7 a.m. I saw the sun coming up and I was like, oh, dude, I got to kick you out. I got to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just the, the hours of this industry. Yeah, I get to wake up late. No one comes into the studio really early. Sure. Um, and if they do... I have a I have a buddy that I call and I take care of that. But for the most part, most people are trying to get in nighttime, night sessions. You know, eight p.m., ten p.m., midnight, two a.m. Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, if it's not already evident to the audience listening now, like you must be Orlando's greatest wingman, as you phrase it, because <laughs> like someone could call you up at two thirty a.m. and say, "Come help me out." Amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Holy crap. That's great. That's great. That's that's so brandable and I'm stealing that. You take I'm going to update my Instagram handle. It's just going to be Kale Nathan in quotes. It's going to be Orlando's best wingman. It's yours. You earned it. That's great. Hey, if I come to Orlando, um, I, yeah. I'm going to test it out. You need to give me a number. I'm going to try Absolutely. it out. Absolutely. Yes. Reach out. There's so much fun stuff to do over here. Universal, SeaWorld, Disney. Whether you go east or west, beach is about an hour and 10, hour and a half. And then close to my place here, 20 minutes from here is uh, Springs called Wakiva Springs that I go to a lot. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. I go paddle boarding all the time. Uh, there are some gators sometimes you'll see crossing or just laying sunbathing. But once I get to a certain size, they relocate it which is nice because I don't feel too scared out to not paddleboard to some of the, the springs over there. But there's great things to do here. So if you're ever in the area, definitely reach out. For sure, for sure. But yeah, I mean, it kind of reminds me what you just said about then about being able to get away and go and do some fun things here or there. You were talking a bit earlier about the sacrifice of, uh, you know, what you do that you've sacrificed, a, you know, a lot of maybe lifestyle things to be able to commit as hard as you have to Studio 18, mm -hmm. not only for the customers 
and the patrons of Studio 18 and the community there, but also for your own growth. Like I love that you, you, you know, that you're aware of the sacrifice. But also, like, I do think that you've been able to feel things and experience like real depth with people and that you've only been able to get there because of the sacrifices that you've made. You know, those feelings and emotions, those moments, those, you know, I'm sure like facepalm moments mixed with some of those real triumphant moments when you finish a piece with someone, they all come because you sacrificed yourself in a way. And I think... Um, I do really respect and really value that. But I kind of want to go backwards a little bit because you said that you moved to Florida with your grandma, right? Was that, was that a plan or something that you had? So my grandma lived in Kissimmee, which is right south of Orlando. And she's lived here for, oh man, I don't even remember, maybe somewhere 15 to 20 years. So I moved into my grandma's, but not with my grandma. Uh, okay. Um, so I wanted to get away from New Hampshire and I'm glad that I did. I love to go back and visit. It's a beautiful place with beautiful mountains and forests and all that. But it's very woodsy, mostly suburbs. And the cities are not like very, they're not thriving cities. There's only like two or three cities in New Hampshire. It's kind of boring. The closest thing to me was like Boston. Right, okay. And the music scene in Boston was okay. There's a lot of like classical music and uh, symphonic stuff and jazz to a certain degree but um yeah florida there's a lot of music that i was listening to that was coming out of florida that was just like okay i love all this stuff and i would be happy to work with these people let me just move in with my grandma pay some rent work at a restaurant for a bit and just keep on making beats and once i did that i uh, got to focus in on my goal here moving here i was like all right two things you need to worry about two m's money music make a lot of money, pay grandma rent, save up. And then whenever you're not working at the restaurant, you're in the bedroom working on beats. And I think at first I thought I was just going to be a producer. And then I came here for an album release party. And after the party was done, I spoke to some of the engineers here and I ended up showing them some of my work. And they were really surprised because the software I used to make the beat was through Chrome. It's a website called audiotool.com. It was my introduction into production. It's free and there's there's no, I don't know, it's very limited scope. But at the same time, you can log in anywhere in the world that has internet into your account and just start making beats and instrumentals on. So when I showed them that and I showed them like, oh, I didn't use Ableton Live or FL Studios or Pro Tools. I just used this website mm-hmm. and they were just blown away. And they, they were like, did you mix this? Was this you? Did you do that and at the time i was like i don't know what that means mm-hmm. i don't know what mixing is like i just all i know is i made this you know i thought i was a producer but apparently i you know mix and mastered it too but at the time i didn't know what those were and i just for the genre i was working within it was more electronic based because of the sound design is so technical and you get so like in-depth and complicated that you synthesize the sounds through the synthesizers you program and arrange them and since all that stuff is so technical, anyway, you start to do your own mixing, you know, whereas, you know, a, a producer of hip hop beats will arrange stuff, slice things up, get the pattern right, and then pass it off to engineer to record and polish it up with their artist. The producer in the electronic scene is the artist and they are the engineer because they have to be able to fully communicate their vision to the listener. So because of the genre I was producing, it made a really easy pivot for me that I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to internet the studio now. I'm going to help with engineering. And 
it was a very seamless transition. Like I didn't even realize how effortless it would be because I thought I thought I was just like, all right, I'm a producer. That's what I am. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be known for this. And then I came here and then it all changed. And I started working with all these amazing artists and producers. And I realized how good I am with working with other people and finalizing their ideas. So I realized like, okay, this is awesome. This is what I want to do. Engineering. It took a while to like fully like accept it. I was like, do I want to do that? Do I want to be a producer? I kind of moved here to be a producer. You know, it maybe it maybe took a few months to really just be like, yeah, I think engineering is the move for me. I don't know if it'll stay that way the whole time. Maybe I'll step more into production world at a certain point. But as it is right now, engineering is kind of my thing. I'm really happy with it. I'm really good at it. Efficient. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. You know, what I also learned just then is that you are a really great storyteller and you're exceptionally good at reading between the lines. You can use that too. Mm. Because if we rewind a few minutes, I asked you about moving from New Hampshire with your grandma. And what I really wanted was for you to tell me your origin story of how you got from New Hampshire to, to Studio 18. And you did that without me even asking. And I think that's such a gift <laughs> yeah, to be able to do that because it's what I wanted. But yeah. I, I think it just sort of speaks to, um, you know, this, I don't know what you would call it because maybe my vocabulary is not advanced enough to sort of be able to articulate it, but I'll try my best. It's kind of like this sixth sense that you might have for being able to deal with ambiguity when an artist walks in and just like but but i just need you to do this or i just want it to sound like that and you're constantly just trying to sort of you know figure out like where they're going with it like this problem solving mindset you just took mm -hmm. a basic question that i asked you about your grandma and you told me exactly what i wanted to hear yeah <laughs> yeah i didn't even realize i did that no yeah. you're an awesome storyteller i love it and so thank you also you know like touching on studio 18 for a little bit because Yes, this is mostly an audio-based podcast. I try and give my audience snippets of, of the video from time to time. And hopefully as I grow yeah. myself, I'll be able to do that more and more. You were showing us around Studio 18. And obviously, I was looking into it from the notes that you gave me. And I was getting to know Connor Smith's story. And I was getting to know a bit more about Studio 18 and its origins. And you touched on earlier the fact that artists call you up and they're in this neighborhood and they're looking at this house and they're like, am I in the right spot? Because from the outside, it does just look like an average, ordinary house. And it reminds me of like Scooby-Doo in a way. I was a big fan of Scooby-Doo when I was a kid. Like They walk into like this house and they end up in a labyrinth. Yeah, that's what it's like on the inside because I saw the photos of the outside versus the inside of that studio and it's it's different in a beautiful way. Like what you guys have done there is sensational. I love the little touches, obviously with the panel behind you, all the artwork. It's so considerate. Like no wonder it's such a great place for people to come and feel like a, they want to be there and be part of the community because you guys have put in so much work into making it look homely and uh, attractive at the same time without yeah. going too far. Yeah, I think it's a big thing to make people feel comfortable. A lot of other studios sometimes feel, I don't know, like a factory or part of an industry or part of, or like doctor's office, like white. And mm -hmm. it's just like, it feels a little sterile sometimes in other places. And people really love the atmosphere here. The vibe, as they say, most artists come in and be like, yo, the vibe here is crazy. We call it the V word. We are always like, all right, how long is it going to take before they use the V word? Usually it's like, you know, 
if you're present as they're exploring around and you're just kind of standing patiently, it takes less than five minutes. And they're like, yo, this place is a vibe. Something about this place, dude, like this is the perfect vibe. Every little room has its own unique kind of personality to it. I try to make it feel like if you took all the gear out, it would still feel like a home. Mm-hmm. You know, there are certain additions I've made to certain rooms that kind of help with that. Mostly the tracking room here in Studio A. I kind of added like a little library in the corner, two lounge chairs and a coffee table. You know, just the, it used to be more like open and it made sense if we were working with bands, but we work with a lot of mostly like single artists or duos and it's, it's mostly pop music and I don't work with a lot of acoustic bands or things like that. So the space, you know, it's there if we need to use it. But until then, I, I kind of filled it out with some stuff to make it feel more homely, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love what you guys have done there. I mean, and also just to give the audience some context, you're, you'd be what, like 25, right? I am 25. That's correct. Yeah. yeah. It's like me trying to remember, what was I doing at 25? It wasn't anywhere near as sophisticated as what you're doing. So, you know, big ups. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, it's a weird position to be in. Very unique. There's not a lot of, I don't think there's another studio like this anywhere in the world, to be honest. I mean, sometimes people say there's a spot in Miami that has... I think it's called Circle House or something, but it's a similar vibe to this, but um, I don't know. Orlando's a unique city because of, uh, one, the blend of cultures, and then, two, tourism because of, you know, the parks and all that. Disney World, SeaWorld, the beaches. We get a lot of... One year, when I was reading a Guinness World Book of Records, I read Orlando was, like, the top most traveled to city in the whole planet. Uh, we get a good blend of mix of people here. So with that comes just different backgrounds, different cultures, different music genres and styles and flavors and tastes. This place is definitely a big hub yeah. for sure. Super important to have that fusion of different cultures and new and old and fresh and established and proven ideas coming together. I think that's, yeah, that is unique. And yeah, I guess you'd have to call up that other studio and be like, hey, guys, how long does it take for people to use the V word when they walk through your doors? <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's a good that's that's the real test it's like how long does it take till they just be like hey man i gotta hand it to you the vibe man the other thing that it shows is that someone like really cared like this wasn't just made for people just to come in and out and to make money off of it. it's like hey this is these are some of the greatest artists visual artists painters graphic designers here all over our walls look around like these are some of the greatest from our right here in your in our neighborhoods and you know you should learn about them let's talk about them all of our staff members know about them and tell you the stories behind them Mm -hmm. and if you work on your craft and you work on your art you inevitably will also be put on a platform somewhere you know hopefully by us if not no big deal but we'd love to help elevate other people and creatives in the community give them the spotlight uh, I use my story all the time on Instagram. I don't post a lot, but I use my story all the time. All the different sessions I do or the events I go to, I'll repost and throw a little something on the story just to keep people engaged with what's going on in my life, but also just around the city and inside the you know studio here. That's kind of my platform that I've allowed to kind of shine light on other people and uh, entities such as Eclectica, which is like an all-woman's aesthetic, artistic photography magazine. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sound 1000, my fr- my producer friend, started a music promotion and like events coordinating for, for DJs and different artists. And that's another one that I like to participate with. Yeah, different things going around the city. I just like to have my hand in. Yeah, again, I really love that. I think one of the things that I guess this podcast hasn't necessarily 
it started off with the travel adventures, but it hasn't necessarily stuck to that. And one of the things that maybe my audience might be thinking is, well, why is he bringing us a sound engineer from Orlando today? Like, it's so random. But at the same time, you know, a lot of the things that anyone and everyone has talked about in this podcast in one context or another is community and being part of a community. And I touched on it earlier and I'll say it again. It's just really evident when I watch what you're doing through online and whatever you share, how important a part of the community that you are there and that you understand that it's a mutually beneficial thing. Like you get as much from being part of that community as they give or as you give to them, I suppose. Um, And that's such a healthy mindset. Yeah. It's a positive feedback loop. I just put a lot of love and energy and it's like an investment. I invest it into other people who I see deserve it who are also putting in the time like I do, who are also passionate about these things and care and are refining their work and pushing into different mediums or different genres or different styles or different emotions, even if they're just staying in their own lane, doing their own thing. I like to invest into these people because it's, I think it pays off in the end. I think I'm good enough to know like, hey, this person really has got something good going on. Even if I'm just investing a little bit of time and energy, a little bit of uh, advice, you know, something as simple as that can go a long way. Um, One of the artists that I was recording said something really awesome to me once that I never really thought about. Um, Obviously, as an artist, you get to speak and have your voice heard by an audience. And you can change a lot of people's lives through just one artist. And an artist of mine, an artist buddy of mine, was going through a rough period. And we went out together. And at the end of the night, he was like, hey, man, I just want to say thank you. What you do is super important because as artists, we have a big audience that we reach out, you know, hundreds, sometimes thousands, sometimes hundreds of thousands, sometimes millions. And since you've worked with thousands, almost a thousand artists, just think of how many times that compounds, like all of those audiences combined. It's like an order of magnitude of, of influence that your positivity has. So I guess it's always like I'm always trying to be my best and do my best because the goodness of it will be amplified. And I don't have to take credit for it, but I just know that it's out there. Yes. If you haven't already, find us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or TikTok, where you can catch additional content and grace us with your thoughts. Thanks again and enjoy the rest of the episode. Yes, and that's such a beautiful message because I don't think people talk like that enough. And I think one of the things that I'm trying to do with this podcast is, I guess, yeah, share those stories and meet with those people that think like that. And you touched on the lockdowns earlier, you know, and how disconnected we became. And so how do we become reconnected again? Or do we just resign to the fate of just, well, we became disconnected. And as you touched on, there's some lingering side effects of that still around. But, you know, I sit here and I'm listening to you and I think, yeah, for sure. 100% that Caleb has the right mindset to help bring us back to a place where we are thinking about one another and being together again and not allowing, for example, governments to dictate what we do and don't do, but allowing the power of communities that we can create with one another through art and the appreciation that we have for being a wingman in someone else's journey or for our influence by being the best version of ourselves to have that order of magnitude that's multiplied exponentially. You know, like I'm sure you sleep well at night or in the morning or whatever time of day you get to sleep. <laughs> usually I sleep in the morning. Yeah, yeah, It's It's... Yeah, my bedtime is usually, if I'm lucky, maybe 2 a.m. If it's, you know, if it's been busy, it's probably more like, you know, 4 or 5. Mm, mm. But it's just the name of the game. I prefer it sometimes because, like, sometimes that can be my quiet time. And that's important when 
any hour of the day, a stranger can just walk in and be like, hey, I heard this was a really cool studio. You mind showing me around? And, you know, I can have a bowl of cereal in my hand. I'll be like, oh, yeah, um, let me, <laughs> this is the lobby. This is Studio B, this is Studio A. Out of nowhere, you know, small things like that. It's another compromise, you know, a little bit of peace, a little bit of privacy, a little bit of my personal life gets compromised. But in the end, it's totally worth it. I've learned so much. I've done so much. Um, yeah. Yeah, what a vibe. I love that. It took me an hour and three minutes to say the V word, by the way. <laughs> that's good you held off a very long time that's actually very impressive I couldn't You're stop an outlier for i sure. couldn't as soon as you mentioned it i was like how much longer can i hold off um but yeah i mean you touched on artists there you touched on that buddy of yours who's an artist and it's, you know you've touched on a whole mm -hmm. bunch of other artists that you work with at studio 18 have you got any sort of stories memorable moments um special favorite artists uh, you probably don't want to call out any faves but maybe you do i'm not sure um special moments man i think midnight mondays are the craziest things because it's midnight on a monday and we have you know 80 sometimes 90 people here just following each other on instagram airdropping each other beats being like hey i need a feature or oh you're a photographer or oh wow this videography is great like you did a great job in this video i think i got something coming up like let's learn people connect here people uh, usually i run past the ox in this studio so we literally just pass around an ox to you know a, a checklist i go through a checklist boom all right this guy's up boom here's the ox play a song and we all talk about it and then we go to the kitchen towards the end of the night and then there's we start playing instrumentals and then people just start freestyling you know off the cuff mm -hmm. you know we wrap up around 2 a.m 2 30 a.m and i think it's just awesome that stuff is so cool those events are, are so special and, and just kind of a testament to how special the culture is here in this city and i guess in this studio specifically because i I know of other studios that do events and stuff like that, but um, I don't think they have the brand power or just the culture that this studio and the legacy of this studio and the people before me have built it up to be. Mm. Yeah. There's so many crazy. I know you're trying to get a wild, crazy story out of me. It's so. I'm trying to. I'm trying to think. I'm See, trying to see you reading between the lines again. You're good at that. Yeah, because we already touched upon the Midnight Monday, so that was kind of a cop out answer. So let me let me leave you on something good. Um, <laughs> Do you edit silence? Can I just sit here in silence for a minute? <laughs> oh, I was just about to tell the audience that you were gazing off longingly into the distance, recalling your some of your yeah. favorite stories. And um, I, I am a mind reader, by the way, and I can see you going, no, I can't tell that story on air. I can't tell that story on air. You're like... Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, can't tell that. No, that's good. You've got that face. It's like a poker machine yeah. of um, stories going through your head going, and you're just like discarding them. Nope, not telling that. Not telling that. I love it. But I, I mean, think I think it's all it's all amazing. It's so crazy because it's like it's every day. It's just different people, different stories. Lots of hiccups, lots of like troubleshooting I have to go through and like juggle things and make hard decisions, of course. But it's so wild to just wake up every day, be here. It's like the best trap ever. Like I'm trapped here and it's a good thing because it's like, where else would I want to go? Yeah. You could commit a crime and they could put you under house arrest and you'd be good for it. I'd be like, oh, great. This is great for my career. <laughs> this is the one career. <laughs> um, I cook a lot of my own food in the kitchen. I do soccer. What am I? Uh, ooh, I don't know if anything's like off limits or taboo or... Hmm. Absolutely. Crazy. Hmm. Not sure. I mean... People touch on all kinds of stuff on this podcast, but yeah, I guess 
the audience can also use their imagination and think about some of the crazy things that might happen in recording studios, especially when yeah. there's so much, like you touched on earlier, there's so much spontaneity involved in an artist's creative process. Like you were talking about, um, was it Scotty XX or someone that was coming to the studio? Uh, Sky, Sky XX. Sky yes. XX. Yeah, yeah. Sky XX. And yes, I did it. Just on the way to studio, it's 2.30 a.m., it's freestyling, nothing's written down. And so I guess that element of spontaneity is just a mystery sometimes and you never know what you're going to walk into. I love the idea of that. Yeah, it's crazy. Just never know what's going to happen, never know who's going to show up. It's kind of a beautiful thing. That That is what has led me to lead more with my heart instead of my head, to be more less logical and more creative. You know, you don't have a choice when there's so many, like logical people think of things and think things through. But when there's so much chaos going on and so many random things, so many moving factors and pieces, it's impossible to try to think things when you have to just react to things and roll with the punches in this environment. That's the biggest takeaway I've taken from this place. That's the best, I've, that's the most I've grown in. Mm. I mean, I've learned a lot about like mixing vocals and getting things very precise and, and industry level standard and things like that. But I think the one thing I'll carry for the rest of my life, no matter what, is just, you know, the people skills and just like adapting to circumstance and troubleshooting. That's just going to carry with, with me forever. Yeah. And that's such a skill. Like it's one of those things that everyone needs, but you can't pick up from a university degree or a college certificate or whatever you call it there you know that's that is the skill that we all actually ultimately want to acquire but we just don't realize it mm -hmm. it's kind of like when you were talking about walking in with your tape and you didn't realize what mixing was you know it's, you don't know what you don't know is one of my favorite sayings but i think f for real it's the skills that you're acquiring there are just so important in just general life it's so underrated yeah. so underestimated yeah i really love that and you're very in touch with yourself as well i mean you talked about at a young age, just sort of knowing what you wanted to do and where you wanted to go. It feels like you've had quite a linear trajectory of being able to synthesize your thoughts and go, that's what I want to do. Okay, my grandma lives in Florida. I'll go down there. Money and music. That's what I need to focus on. Then you step into Studio 18. You've been there five years. Started out as an intern, was it? And have moved into the lead yep. position. It's a, an amazing trajectory that your career has been on. You know, where, where next, I suppose? What are you looking forward to when you've had such a, it seems like a smooth run? Um, what am I looking forward to right now? I'm not. Uh, I like what I'm doing right now. And, you know, tomorrow is that's the farthest I try to look. I got here by taking one day at a time and not trying to look too far into the future. Um, I will actually nowadays I've been answering phone calls and booking sessions a little bit more recently. So I am kind of looking into calendars a bit more and booking things out farther than usual. So, but for the longest time, it was just like, all right, what do I got today? What do I got tomorrow? Okay, cool. And anything beyond that really wasn't of importance to me too much. Um, uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't think. This feels like uh, I could be here for, you know, another five years, 10 years, and I'll still be happy. I'm not looking forward to anything beyond here. And there might be a day where I have to adapt and shift gears and troubleshoot and figure out what is next. But, you know, the skills I learned here will help me solve that and move forward. Mm. If I had to move on to something next, I guess I could shoot my resume over to, like, bigger labels, I guess, and then maybe... Uh, Here's the thing with Orlando. I think Orlando's cool because 
It's got a great scene, music scene, a lot of artists, a lot of creatives. The music industry doesn't have a good footing here, and some people blame Disney for it. I'm not going to pretend that I understand the macro situation of, you know, Disney and Universal owning parks here in Orlando supposed to being, you know, like a touristy spot as opposed to like a creative hub. But, you know, some people blame Walt Disney for the industry not like being as big as it could be here. If anything happened to the studio, I don't know if I'd stay in Orlando because I don't feel as if any other studio would be right for me. I know of a few other, maybe there's a few that I'm not aware of and that I'd look into. But as of right now, this place is just like magic. It's just kind of like a hidden oasis in the middle of a very unsuspecting neighborhood. Mm -hmm. It's totally hidden. Yeah. yeah. People should look at the pictures online. It looks like a house. But I do, yeah, I really yeah. love that. If you look through uh, some of our videos on YouTube and our Instagrams, you'll see like different portions of the house and all that and, and the studio as it is, about as it is right now. But if you go onto YouTube and you type in our studio address, 1209 Formosa Avenue, it shows you a video from 11 years ago of what the house looked like before it was converted into the studio. And obviously it was a process to go from where it was in that video to where it is now, but everything was completely different. And um, now it's just like a crazy, crazy, it's, it is like a maze in here. There were definitely more rooms added. The lobby was kind of blocked off. You used to be able to, if you walked into like the front of the studio, you could walk into like the living area or the kitchen area like really fast, but that was blocked off. And it's very much a business now. If anyone were to buy the home, it probably wouldn't be at the same value as I would <laughs> bought at, I guess. But if they Just were buying the of, studio, yeah. depends who you yeah, are. Yeah, exactly. Depends. Exactly, yeah. It's like, ah, oh, you got an inbuilt studio in that place? What's your price? Yeah, if that's important to them, they might, they might, yeah. Exactly. They might be valued more. It's all about how you look at things. And I love the way that you answered that question because, you know, sometimes I speak to people and they are looking forward to something. There is something planned. And yes, you, because you are managing a business there, you have responsibilities to be organized. And that means getting the calendar out from time to time, right? But then, you know, you said that you don't want to look beyond today. I love that. It's all about the present moment. I just really love how you said that. Reminds me, um, you know, yeah. one of the listeners of the podcast, Carmel, um, who's now become a good friend. I was hanging out with her in interstate a couple of days ago, and she introduced me to this indigenous guy, uh, an Aboriginal fellow named Alan Martin, who works with a lot of youths in detention centers. Unfortunately, we have a real systematic problem with all that stuff here in Australia. And Alan was saying something along the lines of, you know what's wrong with people today is that they're too busy thinking about the future and no one's thinking about today. And yeah, what you said there just kind of reminded me of, you know, what Alan said and how he believes that if you think too far ahead, it can cause issues for not only yourself, but your community. And here I am speaking to someone who's like, yeah, I only focus on today. and. I guess that's the reason why from the outside in, it looks like your trajectory has been so smooth because you've just taken one day at a time and thought only about that present moment. And maybe that's the key that we're all looking for, question mark. Yeah, I think, I think that is, I think it is. I think that's exactly right. I, I love how he worded that because it's, it's time consuming and it's, it's, you know, draining to always try to have a, a wider scope on things. And, you know, there's a time and place for that, of course. And some people are really good at it. Some people can really see the long game and make a long play. But I 
I don't want to use the word narrow-minded, but I definitely have a tight frame for an mm. attention span. I, give a, I can really tunnel in on things and get into the nitty-gritty of the details. Mm. And because of that, it becomes very taxing to you know, worry too much about the future or plan things out. And instead, I, I much rather prefer to focus on what's right ahead of me, get that right, and then move on. I, uh, I got diagnosed with ADD in middle school, and I was doing really rough in a lot of classes for two reasons. One, I kept forgetting about homework because I just had a terrible attention span. But also, I couldn't finish my quizzes and tests on time for whatever reason. I could never finish. And I think it, I don't know, I, I have to be passionate about what I'm looking at or doing or working on. And if I'm not, my brain will not. It refuses. It'll be like, I can only read like one social studies problem. Mm. and then start thinking about something else and drift away and then i come back and i'm start finishing the test again and stuff like that but yeah that in a lot of ways in my past that was a weakness of mine like i couldn't because of ha not having like the bigger picture and just sitting down and my, my attention span is definitely was hurting me in, the, in like my previous chapter but now here because i'm so inspired and passionate about all this stuff it's really easy to just bang out these songs just one after another and work with artist after artist and it's a lot of juggling and it can be overwhelming at times but luckily i have you know a great team here at the studio that helps me through a lot of this and i just a lot of the artists are very you know understanding and i i think i have a good relationship with them i've learned to to do that learn how to you know make friends with the people i work with because it just makes the job easier you know mm. don't think i i'm not still thinking about a crazy story because I'm definitely still trying <laughs> to pull one out. Of, I know we're running close to time here, so like I'm really wanna. I got maybe a few, and okay. I also made a realization. Hit me. The first realization is there's a lot of ridiculous crap that goes on in the music industry, and a lot of stuff is like funny to talk about with friends, but sometimes like in this setting, it usually comes at someone's expense. Yeah, sure. And there are a lot of artists that live crazy lives and do crazy things and that get themselves into trouble. And sometimes that somehow affects my life here at yeah. the studio. Yeah. It's tricky because I don't want to throw any artists under the bus and I don't want to, you know, I know a lot of artists who, who struggle with, um, you know, sometimes it's alcohol problems sometimes it's drug problems sometimes they just hang with the wrong crowd sometimes they are uh, you know they were neglected or deprived of you know attention as a as a younger person and now they're an artist and they're doing everything you know for other people's approval and things like that and just people live crazy wild lives and, to, and it's hard for me to pick one story mm -hmm. um uh, let me at least give you something meaningful here yeah, though for sure that's what the, I really the want. powerful thing about music and being an engineer, what I've learned, and it's allowed me to not just meet people and have like a business type relationship with them because of the nature of music. It's art, it's expression, it's, you know, in a lot of ways, therapy for a lot of people. So I have worked with a lot of people who were brought up in rough areas or who live in rough areas right now. And they will open up to me and tell me things that, you know, maybe their best friends or their homies don't know because they gotta, they gotta keep it up, like bottled up in the inside and it's hard to talk about, but the music is an outlet for them and it's like their therapy. So that's a beautiful thing for sure. Yeah. Lots of artists can use that as their way to make sense of what's going on uh, in the world around them, whether it's something that happened, you know, recently in their family or if they're just in a rough part of life. Um, 
that's something that I've learned to take very seriously. And I'm very grateful that a lot of artists are comfortable enough to, to do that, to open up, you know, tell me things that their best friend not might not know, or their parent or mom or sister or brothers might not know. Something that, you know, they're working with and dealing with by themselves. Yeah. I yeah. love that. I love that you've, you've ended on that note because you're right. I mean, a part of me did want some dirt and a juicy story. And another part of me just kind of, I'm going with the flow and I want to talk about whatever you want to talk about. And yeah. If it's important to you to remain respectful of the stories, no matter how wild they are, because you know yeah. that it's ultimately throwing under a bus, that's really important to me too. Um, yeah, so much respect there. Caleb Moskosko it's, is like an. Well, let me let me maybe I can throw myself under the bus. Maybe <laughs> sure. there's one last story. Um, you don't have to. Can we to. talk about drug use? You, can we talk about drug use? It's is been that, done before. It's been done before here. Okay. All right. All right. Let me throw myself under the bus here. Um, I did mushrooms here one time. I'll tell you that story. Yeah, talk to me about that. There we go. Okay. You um, saw the eyes light up. Yes. Okay, here we go. Quarantine. In anticipation leading up to what the government, you know, forced us to shut down, the owner kind of closed, I think, a few days early because he saw it coming. He was like, guys, this is kind of bad, so let's shut down. Let's renovate. Let's do some stuff in a few areas. Let's patch things up, let's paint things, let's work on the roof, let's work on our garden. We shut down, we worked for like a week straight. And one of the artists that I recorded, she was kind enough to be like, hey, you've never tried mushrooms, here's a mushroom chocolate. And I was like, oh, thank you. I will try this at a later date. And uh, that was like two weeks previous to the, you know, the cleanup that we did. And um, yeah, after a hard five days, at the end of our week of cleaning, I, you know, we took some mushroom chocolates and I got to say that was probably the most spiritual I've ever felt in my life. It was very unique. It felt like the walls were breathing here. Mm. And I felt, I felt the weight and the gravity of all the different people who have traveled through the studio. You know, it really felt like a living, breathing thing. And to this day, there are still people who come into the studio out of nowhere. And I'm like, Hey, can I help you? And they're like, yeah, I used to live here. Like, do you know Connor? I'm like, yeah, I know Connor. He hired me like five years ago. Like, this is this is so cool. How long ago did you live here? Like, what is your story? And I learned about the you know the past history of this place, and there are still things I'm learning to this day. There's still things I I will learn, continue to learn. But you know, on that particular day, you know, for me, when I was just tripping on the mushrooms, it just it all clicked, and it felt very real, and it felt like like a living entity that I you know helped take care of, and it helps take care of me back. Yeah, it was a meaningful thing. I felt like mushrooms are more of a meaningful experience than most other. And yeah, there was some visual trippy stuff going on because the lights and and all the different spots can like strobe into different like flashing colors. And I've got art that looks crazy because you know if you show and shine different colored lights on art, it'll different like colors start to move around. And you know we were out in the garden. There was a fire. It was just a beautiful, peaceful time. And it was a weird time. Quarantine in the studio with no business, uh, it allowed me to work on a lot of personal work with, you know, my other roommates and stuff. But um, it was so weird because it, it felt like summer vacation as an adult. And I kind of treasured it in a way. I know I try to be careful with who I say that to because some people went through a lot of terrible stuff during that time. But for me, it was almost like just like a, a really extended moment of peace and time off. And I'm, I'm very lucky and I'm very glad for that. And I'm just want to shout out Connor Smith, founder of Studio 18, who's allowed me to be in this amazing safe space and allow me to grow to the spot I am now. 
and this place is a magical spot. Mm. But I definitely didn't need the mushrooms to know that. It just helped a little bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you know, it's funny. It's like it started off with someone, you were saying that you were about to throw yourself under a bus, but yet somehow you managed to make it really beautiful and profound and meaningful. It's just a gift of yours. That wasn't Thank throwing you. yourself under the bus at all. It was beautiful, man. <laughs> like, well, if my mom, if my mom and dad watch this now, they know I've done mushrooms, but... <laughs> So Please it depends who's the, who the viewer is. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I hope your mum and dad listen to this for sure because um, I'm sure they'll learn little bits and pieces about you that maybe I haven't got to know yet. And Yeah, for sure. You've been so generous with me and with my audience and it's been a real pleasure just to sit here and get to know you on a personal level. You know, this one person that I got in touch with through social media and you know we tee up a chat where you know anything could happen and this could go so wrong but i feel like you know we've just got along so well like you're a buddy of mine now or something like that i love that appreciate that and yeah i guess usually i ask my guests to say hey listen if there's any advice that you have for aspiring artists or just anyone that's you know maybe struggling to think of what they want to do with their lives for their career at some point is there any any last words yeah um i would say obviously you can't do it all it's not possible to say yes to everything there are certain things you have to say no to you just gotta know what you're willing to sacrifice it's all about uh it's all about pros and cons if you if you think about it too much Uh, if you're the type of person who thinks too much though then you might be better off not listening to me it all depends on the listener you know certain people need to Walk away from certain things. Maybe you drink too much or spend too much time at, you know, in a bars with certain friends. Or maybe you need to sacrifice certain social media hours of your day or your video game time for your day. And then invest that time somewhere else. But if you can and you are able to, I think it's cool to say yes to as much as you can and show up and show out. Do what you say you're going to do and do it well. You know, meet the expectation, if not exceed it, and just always stay active. It's really a marathon and not a sprint. So no one project is going to excel you to where you want to be. It's really about just making the habits, small little habits of every day of just, I'm going to do this today. I'm going to work with this person today. I'm scheduling this to work on and, and just doing it. Do more. Do more and think less is my is my uh, my motto, my creed. But there are certain people out there who need to think a little more. So I try to be careful. Some people are knuckleheads and do crazy stuff. Hey, so we're not for everyone, but certainly I know that there's a lot of people in my audience that'll take something away from that message for sure. And yeah, it's been sort of yeah, it's been I've got more than a bargain for with this chat for sure. And I I say that a lot, as my listeners might know. But you know. I'm here talking to someone I just met, like I said, online, expecting to have conversations about audio engineering. But then we talked about so much more than that. Not only did I learn that you're, you know, one of Orlando's premier um, engineers, but you're also uh, a strong community man. Like, there's a lot to you, Caleb. Like, I appreciate having you on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure. Absolutely. Louis, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure as well. We'd love to know what you thought of that episode of the Louis Diaz podcast. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and even TikTok to let us know. And be sure to follow, subscribe, and leave us a review on Spotify, where you can catch some of our other really great episodes. Thanks for listening, and catch you next time.